gray sky, hello blue. There's nothing can hold me when I hold you. So right, it can't be wrong. Rocking and rolling all week long. Welcome to Rock and All We With You, Season 6, Episode 7. I'm Dan, your host, and we are... We are we are actually now at the halfway point of uh, the first episode. We're going to talk about here is is the halfway point of uh, season six, and then we then we, we pile on over into uh, season. Uh, we pile on over the second half with the, with the second episode we're talking about here. Yes, this is the episode that has the um, the scene where Al plays a kazoo solo during a performance uh, by the band of uh, uh, Buddy Holly's Every Day. Uh, this is also an episode that involves magic and um, Richie getting in some trouble here and there. Now, uh, this episode is going to be, um, just because I made an error, this is going to be a tripler. I'm going to try to keep it under an hour like I, I normally try to do. But this one, we're actually going to cover three episodes instead of two, simply because the Christmas episode, which is, so, so the way we're going now is we're going the Kiss and Bandit. The Magic Show, Richie Gets Framed, and then Christmas Time. Christmas Time, um, Joanna Wilson and I have done a discussion of Christmas Time. It's a standalone episode. I missed an episode somewhere, so that's why we're doing a tripler on here. And like I said, we're covering Kiss and Bandit, all three directed by Jerry Paris. Kiss and Bandit, written by Beverly Bloomberg, who also writes the Christmas episode, uh, November 28th, 1978. The Magic Show, written by Don Safran, December 5th, 1978. And Richie Gets Framed by Fred Mayo, December 12th, 1978. Yeah, this is leading us towards the end of the year. We got, uh, yeah, Christmas time ends 1978, and then we're in mid-January of 79. Um, and yes, that is around the time when the Great Super Train will be premiering somewhere in there. But uh, yeah, so we're doing we're doing um, three episodes in this one, and uh, as as we know, this is um, the the well as I've as I mentioned earlier, the Christmas episode that's coming up is set at Christmas nineteen sixty. So at this point, we are in. Although, uh, well, people are getting dressed up in kind of warmer coats, and it is after Thanksgiving, so we are in the vicinity of November ish, nineteen sixty. There's there doesn't seem to be any snow on the ground or anything, so I'm 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 not feeling it's quite winter yet. But we're with with these three episodes, I'm putting it in in the, in the vicinity of November December nineteen sixty. And the kissing bandit uh, involves Richie getting arrested at the start of the episode because uh, he. Um, he has been accused of being the kissing bandit, a guy who's breaking into homes and kissing lonely women. And uh, he ends up in jail, and uh, he's going to go on trial. So uh, they put they put Richie's um, photo in the paper, and I, I, they, 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 you know, everyone knows where, where Richie Cunningham lives, and so Richie and the Fonz cook up a little scheme to get the kissing bandit to come to the Cunningham's house so they can try to catch him. Does it backfire? Does it work? Does someone get kissed? Is there a drag scene? No. Yes. Yes. And yes? Wait a minute, was there a fourth question? Don't worry about it. Listen to this little bit of music. I'm on the other side talking The Kissing Bandit. The ceiling is painted a gray or a white gray, and you can lose the ball in the girders upstairs. That, my friends, I guess is The Kissing Bandit or Anna. Well, she said she was going to do it. We've had all kinds of excitement. We had the imposter, the fellow who played in the open and just brought a caddy and went there. And then in the remember in the NBA, 
took some shots, and then tonight he came out in a Yankee uniform, and some people feel that he even was in the team picture, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. So, well, so there's one away, and, well, actually two out. One out would have pop up, and Morgana, she's out of here now. I'm liking season six more and more as I watch it, and they, um, first uh, first three episodes there, I wasn't terribly enamored of it. It seemed like a, a show that had its, kind of had its up its behind a little bit, and was a little too, um, I felt like it was getting a little complacent, like, um, all we have to do is walk on stage, and everybody applauds, and we don't have to do anything. Um, but the last few episodes, they, they have been getting funnier and more charming, and this is actually, I think, one of the funniest episodes in a while, because it's just... It's plain. It's just plain funny. Um, there's no no one's learning a lesson. Um, there's a lot of that. Quite a few actual like witty lines, and funny, and funny moments. You know, like when Al plays his kazoo during every day. That's funny. And um, uh, Mrs. C has one of her uh, best scenes when they're waiting for um, Richie to be let go and the bail, bail is paid and she's just sitting there kind of making friends with every everyone sort of sitting there waiting to speak to the cops and, and, a, and a confidence man almost um, uh, rips her off and um, there's a lot, a lot of good I mean with Al's joke about his um, how the Del Vecchios are very um, optimistic people and he had an uncle once who jumped out of the window of a 14th story building and he was heard to say as he passed the 10th story so far so good I, there's a lot of great lines Richie at the end being angry that he's been told he's a bad kisser and he says I'm, I'm a great kisser I've done a lot of kissing and he, as he's about to storm upstairs he points at his mouth and says if these lips could talk and then he storms up the steps so um, in general it's actually I don't know who Beverly Bloomberg is like I said I know she writes the Christmas episode but we need to keep her on because this is very funny and I know the Christmas one is also very good so that's that's one of the things with a show like this is when you you know some some names pop up like Brian Levant and Fred Fox Jr but a lot of these names like these three people who are writing the episodes here um the next one the um the magic show I don't think this guy wrote another one for the show and Fred Mayo let me just look to see if like I don't think he's written yeah Fred Mayo Oh no, he writes one later on. But it's just like um, I don't quite know how their their writers work for Happy Days because a lot of shows you get. I mean, it's it just th this actually feels to me a lot like what the first season of Petticoat Junction, where it sort of felt like every writer in Hollywood was writing for the show. Maybe they were. They knew it would be a hit show, so so that makes sense. But it also meant that the show was so uneven. But this episode, luckily, like I said, was genuinely funny and amusing. Um. Not granted. Part of the part of the the music comes from about a five five or so minute scene. Maybe it's not that long with with Richie and the Fonz with Richie and drag. And the Fonz trying to teach Rich how to act in drag, and everything. And it's it's pretty. It's, pr it's pretty amusing. I think I think Richie looked better in drag in the first season when he went to the dance in the Deadly Dares, um, but. Um, and they, they, it's it's funny. This is the third time Richie's. This is the second time he's gone to jail, right? And the third time he's been in drag. Because you remember when they were in drag um, at the start, the last season when they the, the um, 
when he met Laurie Beth, when he met Laurie Beth, he and the Fonz had to dress up as ladies in bathrobes with like shower caps on and stuff like that. So the third time he's been in drag, but each time they put him in drag, they act like he's never been in drag before. Of course, we know he's been in drag, and everyone knows he's been. What was it? Was it the last anniversary special? The one before that one? Um, they show the scene where Richie, where the Fonz is blowing in Richie's ear. So. And Fonz, Fonz is Fonz is having fun with it this time. He's he's, he's being very silly, and um, Richie is a um, a very manly lady this time around. Very much. I almost want to start seeing Lola when I um when I, when I see him in this one. <laughs> the way he, the way he sits is like oh, there's there's a few too many upskirt moments with Richie when he's sitting on the. But you can't you can't help it. There's a moment where he just sits there and you're like whoa hey geez Louise that's more. That's more uh, Richie than, than I cared to see, um, but it's 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 but it's funny and there are a lot of them, great moments. I think is this the first episode? I don't think it is, but this is the first. Um, no, it is. It is it. I was going to say this, this is this is the first time I remember Marion mentioning a mother kelp, who I believe is her mother, right? Who they go to visit, who Joni and her go to visit. I think in season eleven, but I know I believe mother kelp gets mentioned again in the christmas episode um one thing i have mentioned the christmas episode recording was done before this one so if you're listening to everything in order and then you listen to the christmas one you may get um i may have a slightly different outlook on it than the rest of the season but anyway it's funny it's just um it's just a, f- a funny episode. All the ladies swarming Richie when he's trying to come home and, and trying to kiss him, and and then and then the f- <laughs> the Fonz um sh- uh, locking them all out. And the Fonz is great because Fonz is in his um his red scarf, which is always cool. The uh, it's 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 just a nice episode because it's it's structured. Yes, there may be a few too many moments when the camera is tilted up a little too high and you can sort of see the lights shining in from the corner at the top of the set. That's just Jerry Paris. He's, I'm just looking at it right now. Oh, brother, oh, what am I going to do now? And they're looking at Richie's picture in the um, the paper. How does Joni know that um, Richie doesn't kiss on the first date? Probably Jenny Piccolo, right? That wouldn't be... He wouldn't have talked to his sister about that, I don't think. Or maybe he would have said something like that to her, like... Well, I don't, boy, those lights at the top of the the frame—you can't see the lights, but you can see individual streams of lights coming in from way <laughs> up in the corner there, where there there really shouldn't be. Um, oh, it's for fun. The only way to end this, you know, is to catch the bandit. And I like the—I'm uh, sorry—I have the—I uh, have the. Uh, we lay a plan, Richie. Set a trap. A trap. Yeah. What kind of bait would we use to catch a kissing bandit anyway? Succulent lips. <laughs> and I don't just I think I think he's talking, he's talking about Richie's lips there. They're very they're very close. You, you, you can see like at the end of the series, during that last the last two parter when Richie returns in season eleven and he's very unhappy with his life. You can see how they, they you know, I think in this episode they get very close during the time when Richie dresses as a woman. Um and the Fonz is very silly, but then he also says succulent lips, and he puts lipstick on. I mean, yeah, it's 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 a funny scene. Um, uh, yeah, putting lipstick on him and watching him sit sit bad, badly, and yeah. So what I'll do is, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm jumping all over with this one because um, I'm going to. Um, uh, I'm just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say this is a, this is a, an amusing rereading the book watching tv and they point out one of those things that in the 50s there were kind of two 
two sorts of sitcoms. You either, um, you either, I wonder why Richie has a purse with him when he comes down dressed as a woman, since he's going to be sitting at his couch. <laughs> Sorry. Um, there are two types of sitcoms in the fifties. You had you had your I love and and they say they say basically your starting points with some of them, although although not really. You got your I love Lucy, and then you have your Ozzie and Harriet. So one of them you have it's 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 low key, it's um, generally um, shot like a film with single camera with a laugh track, and um, it's uh, it's it's it looks a little more real. Uh, whereas I Love Lucy is, you know, the multiple camera in front of a studio audience with the, the laughing and more slapstick and crazy. This is more the I Love Lucy mode of the 50s. In fact, there's a wacky chase all around the set, over the kitchen counter, across the table, up the steps, down the steps, uh, with a great moment where they're all trying to grab the kissing band that the kissing band grabs a vase, and you just hear Potsy yell from off screen, Look out, he's got a vase! Which is a lot of fun, because <laughs> she just ends up brandishing a vase. I mean, it does do one of those things at the beginning. Uh, now, now, what it does at the beginning, I absolutely love the way they do it because they don't spend like the first act, like setting up that there's a kissing bandit, and then Richie acts weird, and then gets you know, and like at the end of the first act, it's like you're under arrest for being the kissing bandit. No, it's they're they're playing every day. Richie isn't there yet. He shows up dressed dressed very much unlike the way Richie normally dresses, and then about. A minute later, he's arrested for being the kissing bandit. You're like, what's going on? Who's the kissing bandit? What's happening? So I like that. I like the way they structured it. And I'd like to think Beverly came in with it <laughs> like that and said, this, this is the way we do it. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to spend a third of the episode setting everything up that, that we can make more exciting by suddenly the cops are arresting Richie. Richie's acting a little weird. The cops are arresting Richie. Is Richie the kissing bandit? We know Richie's the kissing bandit. As far as we know, uh, Richie isn't the uh, kissing bandit. But um, maybe he is. Maybe he's, maybe he's gone a little little, little crazy. I don't know. But uh, in the, he isn't. He isn't some, it's some random guy. I don't think we even get his name. I think he's just the kissing bandit. It it is interesting to think though that when he was dressed as a woman in the Deadly Dares, um, which is meant to be, I mean, what is he in like his second year of college right now? I think, and the Deadly Dares was like like junior year or something like that. I think does that sound right? It's funny to think they always keep forgetting that he keeps dressing up as a woman, and and he was a, I think he was a much more convincing woman in the dead. Like I said, he's much more convincing woman. Deadly Dare says like they've all forgotten that um you know that all happened, and you would I I I don't I wish they just had a little memory just because like I said the, the when the anniversary this is this season is going to have another anniversary special what the th- third in a row. Uh, fourth, yeah, I think the third in a row, which will be full of clips from the previous shows, which means everyone remembers the previous shows, and yet why can't um, why can't they remember that he was in drag before, and why can't he remember what he did when he was dressed as a woman before, and he convinced the Fonz. That's the point. When he was dressed as a woman, just being there, he convinced the Fonz. The Fonz thought he was a woman and blew in his ear and all this, that, and the other. So, so I mean, well, that's funny. Regardless, it's funny. I'm, I'm. What you're hearing there is you're hearing someone who's watched all the episodes and talked. And <laughs> I like what the Fonz tells Richie. He's beautiful and he's angry. Um, uh, the Fonz gets a lot of pounding on stuff to turn lights off, and he opens jail cell doors by pounding on the walls. Uh, but um, 
so obviously here, and I'm not going to talk too much longer about this because we've got two more episodes to talk about. And like I said, just go and watch the episode. It's it's a watch the episode. It's it's a it's a fun episode. Um, you know, Richie's reaction to kissing man is amusing. When they put him in the uh, lineup, that's fun. Uh, when he's getting interrogated, when he's talking to the cops, um, it's like it's, it's there's just a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of funny stuff in this episode. Some really fun lines, and it's all. It's all very much like the 50s sitcoms, like like Lucy and, and the ones based off of that. I mean, I'm thinking My Little Margie, uh, Irma, um, uh, December Bride, I suppose in some respects, Armis Brooks. Um, you know, those were, had just kind of the, the wonderfully dumb and silly story. But I'm dumb. I, I don't mean to sound d- uh, dumb isn't quite the word, but silly kind of stories. And um, it actually could make you laugh as opposed to, say, you know, most of the... Um, uh, most of the Ozzy and Harriet and Beyond type ones that um, weren't really big on making you laugh. Forgive me, there's a dog barking in the neighborhood. Must be seeing the kissing bandit. Oh boy. So I'll just just um just watch the episode. This is a fun one. I I don't have really much much bad. Uh, well, I don't really have anything really bad to say. But I mean, the, the the way Richie Richie does act kind of suspicious and weird in the beginning, which is never fully explained. And he dresses the way he doesn't normally dress, which again isn't fully explained. But it um, it propels the episode along. And unless you're someone like me who's actually talking about it in depth, or at least for about 15 minutes, um, you don't you don't really think about it. So overall, it's fun. And and the, and the, the scene at the end where they're all sitting around having hot cocoa, and Richie has the wig off, and the Fonz is upset that there's no marshmallows, and and um, uh, Mr. CL's Richie don't get lipstick on the on the on the on the cup. And everyone laughs at him. It's a good time. It's a fun time. So I'm just going to bring up the one thing that this must... I don't know what the production... They uh, Some of these seasons I've been able to find like production codes like when they made them when they made the episodes, you know, this is here, da 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 you know, things like the, um, like the Fonz Gets Married episode from season two, that was like two thirds in the season, but that was actually the last one they did for the season, and oh, I just saw the kissing bandit when he kisses Mrs. C, she's having a good time in this episode, and I think the thing, the thing that makes this episode confusing is that, to me, is that the previous one was Thanksgiving, and this one they go to see 101 Dalmatians, 101 Dalmatians is so almost correct. 101 Dalmatians came out in January 1961, which makes me think that this episode was probably meant to originally air after the Christmas episode, but they showed it before the Christmas episode. So I'm going to... I mean, we're going to have a little wiggle room here, and I'm going to say that this is around late November, start of December. For some reason, there's no snow on the ground, even though it's Milwaukee. And I'm going to say that um, the uh, the Milwaukee was some sort of test market. I'm not going to look it up and see if that's that's true or not. I'm going to say Milwaukee is some uh, sort of test market for 101 Dalmatians because it's so it's so it's so close. I mean, it's like like when I went, to, I thought when did Dalmatians come out? It's like January 25th, 61 or something. Like, oh, one month after the Christmas episode. Oh boy. So I am saying that this indeed is a one that was shown out of order but it's in the same world and i'm saying it's a preview it's a preview episode um for uh it's, it's a pre they're doing preview screenings of 101 dalmatians advanced screenings advanced christmas screenings of 101 dalmatians boom perfect 
That's it. That's what it is. They're advanced Christmas screenings of the new Disney movie, which comes out uh, nationwide, worldwide in January 1961, but is shown in several markets. Um, uh, yeah, before the Christmas season. That's perfect because it's a Disney movie. All right. Okay. I don't have any problem with that. Then I had a pro- problem with that when I saw it was January 61. No longer. So that's the Kissing Bandit, which um, I don't know if it's the best episode of the season so far. It might be the funniest, or just just the most amusing episode of the season for so far. So let us let us hope that the next episode can um, sort of hang out in the same the same quality vicinity, uh, and that would be the magic show. And um, and this one, yeah, uh, Al and and Mister C uh, book a uh, magician for a lodge meeting. I think it's a big uh, charity thing or something for the lodge or whatever. Unfortunately, the magician. Uh, is sick or injured or hurt or something I'd have to watch it again and um, uh, they need someone to take his place at the last minute who might it be? The Kissing Bandit or his friend we'll leave it at that, let me play a little bit of this I'll be on the other side to talk about the magic show we are now officially in the second half of season 6 although we are still in December 5th, 1978 and presumably in the realm of December uh, 1960 listen to this one more thing Bigfoot the term Bigfoot was coined in 1958 and 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 kind of spread quickly so when Potsy mentions Bigfoot which seems like a really weird mention for a show in 1960 but doesn't seem like a weird mention for a show in 1978 um, that's that's where that's coming from Bigfoot is relatively newly coined term anyway the magic show here we go how sort of straightforward and 50s and, and fun the kissing bandit was um this this episode um might be a little too straightforward it, it begins with uh george fenneman uh who i'll talk about briefly in a moment you know at the cunningham's house and uh al and mr c get on the radio and there are two orphan kids there and they're gonna the lodge they're having a big um show $15 a plate or something like that and it's going to end with a magic trick with a magic act with a famous milk was a milk bucket milk crate trick milk bucket <laughs> I forgot what the trick is called now the milk bucket trick um and it gradually becomes a wackier and wackier scene where the whole family shows up and the Fonz is there and they're all talking in the mics and things like that and um I, I forget which episode it was in but I know they've done something like this before on the radio so this is an okay version of that and then we immediately learn that this magician is unavailable to do his thing so again forgive there's a dog barking in the background we're, we're babysitting a dog and she likes barking at things um but what was i saying oh and so they go and they hire the amazing randy who's an who was an actual guy he just died a couple of years ago he was a famous magician he was also a famous um debunker of um uh um 
fake psychics and 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 things like that and and um sort of did that throughout his life people would challenge him you know and say i can do this crazy psychic thing and he would try to debunk it um and he's he's in the episode although if you don't know who he is you just think he was a regular actor because he doesn't really do any magic and we'll talk about that in a minute and then and, and then the episode does exactly what you think it's going to do it somehow winds up with the fawns who um I don't think we've ever seen the Fonz do magic before. Suddenly the Fonz is the best magician and the best escape artist. <laughs> he's the best magician since, I don't know, who who was Mescaline? And he's the, no, he was an escape artist, wasn't he? Crap. Um, he's the best magician, better than you know, David Copperfield. Um, and he's the, um, he's the best escape artist since Houdini. And it's, and it's, um, while it is fun to watch, and it is it is December, so it is Christmas time. So you're kind of watching one of your heroes, almost like seeing Santa do something. It is fun to watch there. It also it it feels a bit weird because the sort of the first half is getting us to the show, and then the second half is the show with the big magician thing. Actually, more of the is the the show um, is 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 more than half with the show, but um, it's it it feels odd like. Um, it 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 doesn't feel like a an proper episode sort of it feels like it feels almost like Henry Winkler said I want to do some magic and so they just had someone write down just a very quick plot line on some paper and someone else just typed up something really quick and then oh and let's bring in the the amazing Randy to help with the the magic tricks okay we'll do that and we'll bring him in uh, but what we in his contract he doesn't want to do any magic tricks and he's going to we're going to have him do one at the end but we're going to cut away um uh, while well, the trick is actually, I mean, it's one it's one thing to actually have misdirection live, but it's another to cut to a different shot and then back to the magician and suddenly they've done the trick, which is what they do with Randy and the, and the radio. Randy and the radio. And it really does feel like Henry Winkler said, I want to do magic. Or maybe he was, maybe Henry Winkler's an amateur magician. I know he used to do the um, water skiing and, and stuff like that, I believe. So maybe he was an amateur magician. That's what I'd like to think. He was an amateur magician. This episode is what, like 26 episodes in it, which for um, which for the late 70s was a lot. Your average shows around there were like 22 to 24. And I know what you're thinking. Well, then it's only a couple more. It's still a lot of work. And, um, and we are, like I said, we are in the second half of the season. This is the 14th episode, I think, of the season. But we're in the, we're definitely in the second half. Or is it 13? For it's 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 something it's something because the first the first hour, the eastward ho or westward ho westward go that one is always um. It's counted as two, but it's really one when you see it. Anyway, um. Well, that could be it. That could be just Henry Winkler saying, come on, let me do my magic. And so they have him do some magic. And Joni's there, and she's the magician's assistant. Of course, that means she's in, like, a tiny red leotard-type thing and showing off her legs and the red high heels, and I I, um, I approve of that. And, in fact, it's kind of fun, and I know that this is sound pervy, but, but hear me out, to watch Joni or Aaron Moran throughout her scenes up on stage. Just watch her. Don't stare at her legs i mean to look at her face and her reactions to the magic tricks and everything that's going on around her um they're pretty charming and so she's there and um yeah and ralph tries to tell some jokes and potsy does a stupid thing for some, I, I, <laughs> I mean here's here's how just weird the whole thing feels so just 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 think about it when i'm like out of nowhere we're doing this show for the kids and the orphans we don't do, do we ever see the audience 
maybe once, but I don't remember seeing the audience at all. That that's another thing that makes me feel like it was thrown together. You know, they couldn't even bring in an audience. You know, and they have, and they have like people who are at a, they are at a an event for orphans, yelling and heckling like, "Do the milk bucket trick! Do the milk bucket trick!" Hey, if they can't do the milk bucket trick, they can't. And I like Mr. C says, what "Was it Al says, um, everyone's going to want their money back." It's a charity for orphans. No one's going to want their money back unless they're a giant a-hole. And I'd like to think that if you're paying some money to go to a charity for orphans, I mean, you could be disappointed if they don't do the milk bucket trick, but um, don't take your money back. That's idiotic. And it's just it's just a weird episode because like it feels that the previous one, the Kissing Man, it felt just right. This feels underdone. This feels like it. I mean, not that they're in some funny moments, but it feels like it needed another draft. It feels like they needed someone story editor to step in and actually have it sort of make sense. Because <laughs> it's just like we're doing this thing for, and there are two orphans there who are their last names. They're clearly brother and sister, I think, and their last names are Marshall. I'd like to think they're not related to Gary. Um, but uh, maybe they are. I'd, I'd like to just think he found a, a brother-sister team who wanted to play orphans who happened to share the last name as he. But they look pretty comfortable with everyone when they're on stage and stuff. So um, that could that could be because they've been to the set many times. Um, but um, Fonzie can do anything. There you go. That that's an interesting moment because you you we make fun of the when he jumps the shark. Um, but the thing about him jumping the shark is that's, um, you know, that's like with a bunch of adults or, you know, almost adults on a beach doing kind of uh, this, that, and the other. In this episode, he risks his life for a bunch of orphans. This is the Fonz? Isn't this more of a jump the shark? I mean, just, just think of it literally. Like these two little cute white kids say, the Fonz can do anything. Boom, there you go. That's why we love the Fonz, because the Fonz can do anything. Now, I think him doing the milk bucket trick stretches credulity. I think him doing the milk bucket uh, trick stretches credulity um, to the breaking point and possibly beyond. But I would, of course, rather had that than, like, the Fonz is drowned. <laughs> and, like, a five-minute scene where they try to resuscitate him. Um... It's just because you know he's going to be okay, and everyone's running around the curtains, and we don't have the curtains, and yeah, and it's it's funny they put like like a half a dozen locks at the top of the milk bucket, and I thought someone better have the key, and of course neither Ralph nor Potsy have the key. I mean they're stupid and they're stupid, and this one this unless it's all an act, unless that's part of the act is they know the Fonz is going to get out, and they're doing that all for fun. But the thing that makes me think it's not an act is because the person who says get him out is Randy, who's slowly recovering from a hangover that Potsy gave him. So unless unless that's part of the act too, to hire a magician and have him pretend backstage that he's drunk, so Fonzie will do all this, and then they can, again, stretching it, stretching it, stretching it. And in the end, they make a ton of money and everything's fine. But it really does, it seems like a variation of one of those episodes of a TV show where they have like a variety thing and like I think it's eight is enough did probably several of those but you, you know what I mean it's like we're all going to get together and everyone has something they can do oh except Jan oh what can Jan do she does puppet shows I don't know what Jan does but um uh but you know they all come out and they, they sing a song they recite poetry they do they do a musical they musical number they do a scene from Shakespeare and it's just like the cast members just having a little fun showing off Ex except with this it's just the Fonz 
showing off. It's it's a it's a weird episode because I don't dislike it, but I also feel like this is kind of possibly the show at its laziest. Where it just it starts off with just this random thing. This is happening shortly, and we got a magician. Oh no, we don't. Oh no, we got a magician. Oh, we suddenly got him drunk in a ridiculous way. Well, the Fonz will do it because the Fonz can do everything. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. It's it's I mean it's I think the best way to think of this episode is that this is a great one to watch if you're like binging the show. If you just put on the show like 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 this is at the start of disc three of the season six set. Pop it in, hit play, and just, you know, go as you're watching and watch the next two or three, go past Christmas, you know, maybe watch a couple beforehand. In the middle of a binge, maybe three or four episodes. Yeah, don't don't do it at the start. I take that back. <laughs> make it like the make it like if you're gonna do like a half a dozen episodes, make this like three or four. It's fun to watch. You laugh. Um, but when you actually sit down and analyze it, it it it, it feels like it almost wasn't written. If and if it had if W Hermanos was in the uh as one of the writing credits then i would know exactly what happened but as it is um i don't really i don't recognize the name of the guy who wrote the script i don't think he wrote another one and when i looked him up he was some sort of advertising exec or marketing exec at movie studios or something why he's why he's writing an episode of happy days i don't know and i would bet you oh i'm sure he wrote the episode but, but like i said it just feels like um it feels like it wasn't written it feels just like we we got the opening scene with george fenneman and the, everyone acts wacky, and then we don't have a we don't have a magician, and then we have the scene where they hire Randy, and then we have the opening scene at the at the show where Al's going nuts and Randy gets drunk, then the Fonz does his routines, and then we have a closing, and it literally feels just like a series of set pieces that they maybe maybe everyone sat about the sat around the the table when they were doing a table read of it and just added their own lines or something but it really feels like it wasn't written it just sort of happened and i'm going to say again because i think um henry winkler wanted to do magic and also they wanted to just remind everyone that the fonz and kids are a-okay um the fonz can do anything it's funny because you know the fonz could do anything and that's part of the fun of the fonz but to have little cute little orphan kids say it um one how do they know the fonz can do everything there's been we we don't we've never seen these kids before i didn't we didn't know there was an orphanage nearby we we don't know what any of this is so how they know the fonz can do anything i couldn't tell you um just because they've seen him do like four magic tricks doesn't mean he can do anything um yeah, that is strange. Now that I think about that, how do they know that the Fonz can do anything? Um, uh, unless they're meant to be like universal kids who have been just, they're meant to stand for all of us kids or something. Well, then why make them part of the orphanage? Why not make them go, come on, you can do it, Fonz. We, th- we think you can do it. We think you can do anything. No, no, it's actually the Fonz can do anything. And I think it's one of those things hmm, that just feels weird to me. And I I go back to talking about Joni for a while, but uh, I'm going to get back to that in a moment. I talk about The Amazing Randy. Um, I don't fully understand what... So so Randy asks for a drink to, like, calm his nerves or something. Um, and, And Potsy gives him a full glass of vodka, which he proceeds to drink. And then when he's done drinking it, he goes, Huh? What? This, this isn't water. That's straight up vodka. I've never drink, drunk before. And then he passes out. And I thought, maybe he has no taste buds. 
maybe he's got like COVID or something and he's just lost. He's got no, no taste buds or anything because there's no way in hell someone hands you a glass of vodka and you drink the entire thing and it isn't until the end that you go, hey, I don't think that's water. That doesn't, that doesn't taste like H2O. First off, forgive me wrong, like vodka is potato related or something, isn't it? Or am I being too Polish? But like, like I, 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 I haven't drank much vodka in my life, but it's one of those things where when you, you give it a sniff, doesn't it have like a potato? Or am I thinking of another booze? I don't know. But surely as you're raising it to your, to your mouth and, and it goes up to your nose, you'd be able to go, hey, this, this ain't, this ain't water. And it's, and then and Potsy's just kind of stupid about it and and Potsy doesn't seem to um register that he's done something bad um and which is making Potsy a weirder and weirder character because Ralph is just becoming one note telling his jokes and Potsy is just becoming apart from singing just more and more idiotic and um and you know what's weird I actually had to I actually had to put on the episode again to remember that Richie was in it. I can barely remember that Richie was in it. Um, I'll get some water. He does. I'm just checking what Potsy's up to over there. I'll get some water, he says. He goes over to a tray with what looks like water on it and hands it. I don't get that at all. That doesn't make any sense to me. So it's a tray with... um, Straight vodka. I don't get that at all. I th- I think I think again. That's what makes me say that I don't think this episode was written by anyone because that's so stupid, and all it would have taken was, like, who who out there in the crowd for the orf? I mean, why is there a, a tray with with a teapot, coffee pot, teapot thing, bunch of bunch of mugs, some glasses full of brown liquid, um, uh, which I guess could be no. They're they're too much. It's, why, why would they? That doesn't make again. It, it it makes so little sense to me that I can't um, I don't get it. it like I said it doesn't seem like it was written or it seemed like it was written by a hack someone who's like oh this will be fine everyone will love this it doesn't make any sense he grabs the thing drinks a you know and 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 Potsy just goes over and grabs a glass off of a random tray and hands it to him he doesn't check to see what it is he doesn't he know what they're he's an idiot he it's 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 funny with Potsy in that um at one time I quite liked Potsy but. He's really kind of getting on my nerves now, as you can tell. So I'm going to stop talking about Potsy and the the idiocy of the plotting in this and just say the um, the tricks with the Fonz are fun. Uh, her her and um, her and, and jo- him and Joni here. Her and the Fon- Joni and the Joni and the Fonz on stage are fun. Um, the milk bucket thing is fine. There are some good laughs. Mrs. C is is great in it. Um, but but you have to put up with some really dumb moments, and you just want to punch Potsy in the face. What is wrong with him? Anyway, um, George Fenneman was a famous announcer. He was also the. Um, the not the MC. He's he's the um the straight on you bet your life against Groucho. He was the one who did all the announcing and everything. Great straight man. He was he's mainly known for Dragnet, you know, um the story you're about to hear is true. That that voice he does that. And whenever you would hear like Dragnet parodies a lot of times a lot of times it was just I just saw saw Potsy's face and I wanted to shove him over. Um a lot of times you'd hear sort of Dragnet parodies and things. I think there's was it the one more Mar- margin the lamb is it he does the the voices on that and so he's he yeah he was well known he would have been well known to everyone on this the amazing randy i guess would have been well known 
to folks too. I'm trying to think. Uh, the milk bucket trick. Da da da. Yeah, that's about it, really. I I um with this one. Um, it's uh it's it's uh, the the best thing about it is that it goes by very quickly. It it doesn't. There's not. I mean, there, there's. I I will say this. I do like the scene that I completely forgot about where they're in Randy's hotel room and he's not there and they begin playing with all his magic tricks. I do like that scene. That's fun. That's a fun scene with Potsy and Ralph and with Richie. And okay, Richie was in that scene. All right, yeah. No, I'm not, I, know, I don't mean to denigrate the... Well, I'm trying not to denigrate the episode, but there are moments in it that just feel like, you know, we could have just brought in one of the story editors and just tweaked this, made this work a little better. You know, something like that. You know, maybe maybe the amazing Randy could have had like a sandbag drop on his head or something like that. Something more that made more sense than there just happens to be a tea, tea tray with some like soft drinks, coffee, mugs, and one big glass of vodka. Doesn't make any sense when you see it happen. And uh, whatever. Um, I th- I think the last thing, like like I like I sort of said the thing. The thing, the thing about it is that having the kids say Fonzie can do anything, it's almost like you know when um and, and this is not me. This is in um in uh, st- the great Stephen Thrower, author, critic, uh, musician in his 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 magazine Eyeball, uh, which was collected together. Um, I think there were only like five or six issues, but in one he reviews uh, Scream or is it Scream Two? I forget which, but he reviews Scream or Scream 2, and, and Wes Craven's Scream, not not the Byron Quisenberry. Um, but he reviews Scream, and he said the problem he had with Scream was this, that um, Scream was like someone going to a party where, um, like, say, I, I, I forget what example he uses, um, so, sort of like someone going to like a, a masquerade party or something, and sort of getting up on a table and pointing out that, um, you know, this guy dresses a knight right here. He's not really a knight. He's an accountant. And this woman over here dressed as a sexy nurse. Uh, well, she actually uh, works at a supermarket. Da, da, da. You know, it's like everyone's there. Everyone's taking on a sort of their own persona. Um, or it's like, like uh, I'm always thinking, like, if you went to a Rocky Horror Picture Show screening and everyone was dressed in costumes and everyone has was having fun and you had someone come up in the front and say all right everyone uh you're not really the people in the movie you're just pretending and you're do and you, it's just basically a party pooper he he said the thing with scream was that scream is like a party pooper wherefore what was that mid 90s for 15 years more than 15 years we'd all been watching slasher films and we all knew that they had very rigid rules most of them and but a lot of them break the rules they had very rigid rules and they did this and they did that and they were like this and they were all very similar and blah 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 blah. and scream is the wise ass party pooper who steps in the middle of the party and says, uh, hey, you guys, uh, didn't you notice when you're watching this movie that this is this and that is that? And you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, we got it. You, you don't you don't need to say it. We knew it. You didn't need to say it out loud. In saying out loud, you've made some people happy, but you've also made some of us go, eh, get out of here. And that's kind of what the Fonz thing is like. We know the Fonz could do anything. We, we don't need um, little little orphan kids who are, you know, most likely, you know, the children of the creator of the show to come up and say, the Fonz can do anything. That's like, you didn't have to say that. That kind of, it's kind of an un, unspoken rule. You know what I mean? Just like, don't, um, don't do that. 
unfortunately this does it so um i'm gonna stop talking about this uh, because we got to go on to richie gets framed which sounds kind of similar to what happened to him in the kissing bandit but he didn't get framed in that one he was accused uh so um yeah let's see richie gets framed in this one richie gets framed Richie gets framed. Uh, uh, just uh, just an update, everyone. I'm, I'm recording uh, this on December 14th, and I actually um, had to uh, 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 kick off sick from my day job today because I've got uh, COVID symptoms. I um, I tested negative this morning, but you know it does take a few days uh, if if it's if it's going to set in sometimes. So I am. I am speaking to you as someone who is ill and should probably be sitting quietly with a cup of tea, watching something Christmassy, or or asleep. But I want to get this episode done. I want to get this episode to, out to you. I want to get it out to you by Christmas. So I'm going to talk about Richie Gets Frame, but it's going to be relatively quick, unless I get hung up on something like I tend to do. But Richie Gets Frame, you know, this episode, this run of episodes, these these run of three episodes here, all pretty darn funny, all pretty darn entertaining. Um, the Kissing Bandit, I think, is the um, is the best because, and I figured this out watching the magic show in Richie Gets Frame. Um, if you could imagine, um, if the magic show had started sort of with the magic show going on, uh, just just the show going on. It's not specifically meant to be a magic show, isn't it? It's, there's meant to be more stuff going on. It's like an event, a thingy. And um, we're there, and stuff just starts to go wrong, and we, we don't need to... We could be thrown right in the middle of it. I think if the show had done that, it would have been sharper. Same thing with this one. I think if this had started off with... Like Mr. and Mrs. C maybe sitting down and looking at like maybe Joni coming home with the with the paper from the the college maybe like Jenny Piccolo found and she opens up and goes look at this and there's a picture of Ricky uh, Richie with like at a massage parlor and it'd been oh my gosh and then Richie comes home and tries to act like it hasn't happened and then we learn what's going on and then it goes from there where they try to break in the guy's place etc etc it goes from there I think if it had done all that it would have been a much better episode but as it is. The first, the uh, even when he's at the massage parlor until post massage parlor, the episode is just kind of, eh, you know, Richie's uncomfortableness at the massage parlor is, I guess, humorous. I didn't find it all that funny. I, I really truly don't understand why, when um, uh, we we've just had a scene where where uh, Ralph and Potsy are trying to get a picture of Fonzie kissing a fake baby that they can try to get in the paper. The Fonz's way to get Richie to relax is to take him to a massage parlor. And it doesn't look like it's a naughty massage parlor. I don't think that's the kind of massage parlor that, that, that the Fonz would go to. But still, um, it just seems strange that he would take him there. And I don't 
that doesn't seem to make much sense to me that the fans I don't I don't see the fans as someone who goes to a massage parlor. Now I see him going to a massage parlor if he likes the gal there. But I don't see him taking other people or maybe he would take other people there, to be honest. I I don't know. I'm a little it's I I don't know. It it seems weird to me that it it almost that it's it seems to me like what should, what that should be is like Ralph or Potsy should have taken Richie to the massage parlor. That would have probably worked better because then they could have been in the massage parlor too, maybe seen the guys come in and take the picture and there could have been more excitement there. But as it is, the Fonz takes him there, says here she is, and then he leaves. And it just it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. But then there were things in the magic show, like I said, that didn't make sense. And there were some things in the kissing band which kinda of didn't make sense. They they're really they've really been pitching this show I wonder if someone new took over and like the head writer or something like that because they really are pitching this show as like we're basically using old 50 style sitcom plots and it's all about like set pieces this one again is about um richie trying to um read his speech to his family while they're all trying to go about their business then it's about um richie um you know, uh, uh, well, uh, sort of losing the speech to the guy who says, I'm going to put a, a, a keg of beer on campus and that, or whatever it is he says that gets him all the applause. And then it's the sequence with the, uh, the sequence with the kiss of the baby and the sequence in the massage parlor, then the sequence trying to break into the room and then the closing. And it really does seem like rather than a set of sort of like organic scenes that flow into one another, it really just seems like they had like, you know, uh, you know, uh, they, a big old, you know, uh, board with uh, note cards on it and they just wrote down okay we need the opening scene with Richie and his speech and then we need this scene and then we need that scene and all the sort of little connecting bits all the bits that sort of aren't jokes all the bits that might be character moments all those bits are gone and it's just you go from scene to scene and sometimes the scenes are funny and sometimes they're not really um, I think the scene in the in the um, frat boys apartment is humorous I like this where they find the nudist colony magazine. I think there's some good jokes in that. It isn't as funny as when they go in the Amazing Randy's room and begin playing with all his magic tricks. Um, the Fonz does seem very naive to me to say to Richie, just don't take the photo. Let them publish the photo. Now, of course, the Fonz is right in the end. And I, I think I, I think my, my theory behind it is that um, I think... Um, well, there's a scene in the end where someone from the Regents, Board of Regents calls Richie to speak, and Richie thinks it's going to be about one of his 31 ideas or whatever, however many ideas he had, and the guy just wants to know where the massage parlor is. So I, th I think it's something along the lines of, um, uh, as, as fun as it is here, the guy say whatever it is he says and that they cheer him on. They, they know that Richie will probably do better, and maybe just like seeing Richie at a massage parlor is like, you know, I, I would like to think that the, the reason why Richie's massage parlor photo works is because when he's giving his speech, he's so boring. And and to be honest, that opening scene where he's reading his all the stuff from his speech and then he's giving his speech at Al's, at Arnold's, um, I just found that kind of dull and monotonous. And like, Richie, nobody cares. No one wants to hear this. You're doing it wrong. And what's going on? Where's Lori Beth or someone to tell you to do this differently? I actually, I found that sort of actively annoying that's why the moment the photo is taken you're like okay good something's going to happen and um because i didn't care about richie running for sophomore class president i'm 
Sorry, I didn't. I think, like I said, I think they should have switched it around. So you saw the photo first, and you were like, what the heck? And then you learned the story. That's why the kissing bandit works. Because it starts off with Richie getting arrested out of nowhere, and then you learn what's going off. Because the thing about the kissing bandit is, when you actually get to the kissing bandit himself, what does he do? He goes, he, he opens the window of the Cunningham house, sneaks in the window, goes and kisses Richie, dresses a woman, and then asks if he can have another kiss. That's the kissing bandit. And when you actually see that happen, it's so late in the episode, and it's, it's had such a nice pace and there were some good laughs, that you, you actually see it and you go, hmm, this is underwritten. This is this is maybe not as good as it could be. How does this how does this kind of nebbishy guy who who just likes to randomly kiss women sitting by themselves? How, how, so he breaks into all their houses. What I don't I don't. It does it doesn't seem plausible. But because they put it at the end of the episode and they're never a hundred percent clear about exactly what it is he does, and it doesn't the episode doesn't like start off with like you see like like maybe it happening to someone. You know, I don't know who the heck it would happen to, because um, it wouldn't happen to Mrs. C or Joni. Um, I mean, maybe maybe it could be a, like Joni rushing over and saying, Jenny Piccolo just told me that her mom was kissed by the kissing bandit. Who's the kissing bandit? Well, they say, and then Joni would act it out, you know, and, and he sneaks in and he kisses the thing, you know, <coughs> pardon me, he kisses the, the lady or whatever. And... Um, because I thought kissing bandit, he'd be like running up to them on the street and kissing them and running away, not actually breaking into their house. But but they do sort of mention that too. But I think I think like if kissing bandit had been written the way the other two are written, it would have been written like that. We would have either somehow heard about it, or we we, we would have we would have somehow heard about it, or maybe seen an example of it. We would have been definitely shown how it was done. Then they'd be going about their business, and Richie would dress really weird on his way to rehearsal, and all of a sudden he'd encounter um, he'd uh, he something weird would happen that he doesn't quite understand and maybe a lady yells at him and he's like what's that lady yelling about and then he shows up at the place and then he gets arrested and we go from there um as it stands the episode is better because it dispenses with all that stuff that we don't need the i mean one of the things you'll note about the episodes at this point is generally you you do get occasional appearances by other actors but jet like the amazing randy um and the two the two cops are pretty humorous in the um in the in the kissing bandit, but in general these episodes are all just like our main cast, and that's kind of what makes us fun. It's like like one of the reasons why I love Green Acres is so many episodes of that when the cast is is at its height before before Barbara Pepper passes away before Sid Melton uh, goes to make room for Granddaddy. You understand why he did that, but maybe it wasn't the best idea. And and like by the time you get to season six, the cast is decreased, which isn't anyone's fault. It just it just happened. Um, but when they get to their height, where they got the full on cast and everybody's there, and you got um, Oliver and Lisa and 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 Eb and Mr. Drucker and Mr. Kimball and Alf and Ralph and Mr. And Mrs. Ziffel and Arnold and and I'm sure I'm forgetting someone, but you get Mr. Haney, of course. Um, when when you have the full cast, you can do the entire story without really having to reference anyone else, put anyone else into it. And that's kind of the point Happy Days is at right now. And I kind of like that. But whereas Green Acres rarely ever got lazy, um, I feel like... And then, of course, Green Acres was never at the top of the ratings, absolutely ruling the roost like um, uh, Happy Days did. And when Green Acres did, was sort of at its biggest, everyone always referred to Arnold. And one of the things you'll note 
and I say this as an author of, um, ex, you know, from Beverly Hills to Hooterville, exploring TV's Henningworths, 1962-1971, one of the things you'll notice about Green Eggs when you sit down and watch it is that there isn't nearly as much Arnold in it as you think there would be. He's in some of the best episodes. The two-parter, a star named Arnold is born. The, uh, was it the three or four-parter where they go to um, try to get the Bernbacher estate to try to, they make, um, Ar- try to get Arnold uh, the where there's a, tail there's a will where there's i forget what it is you know you know the one i mean where they they try to get him a big inheritance um and uh, that that great two-parter where they go to washington dc and uh have been have been arnold and mr kimball and oliver and lisa accidentally end up going and they stand to stay the glowny house is that or no that's not the one where they're at the glowny house is it i think it is the one where they're at the no it's not the one where they're at the glowny house the glowny house is the one where they go to talk to um lady bird uh where where um uh, where uh, Lisa calls up uh, uh, Lady Bird Johnson, um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> and then she tries that again much later in the series, but she's no longer there, if I remember correctly. Um, but but the, I'm sorry, little 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 tangent there. But I think one of the reasons why I like Happy Days is because sort of at this moment, yes, the show may have jumped the shark. Yes, the show may be nothing like it was in the first two seasons, and it isn't anything like it was in the first two seasons. Yes, it may be almost bordering on incoherent in some of the ways it's telling its stories and things. Um, uh, but, but, like I said, these are three great episodes to just put on in an afternoon and just have playing. You know, you, maybe you're not fully paying attention to them. Uh, maybe you do like I do and you'll suddenly randomly stand up and talk to yourself about what's going on in them. But but they're, they're fun to have on. There are laughs in them. The characters are fun. Yes, they do some, some dumb things. Potsy and Ralph aren't as dumb in this one as they were in the last one, but they are pretty dumb but bringing in the little baby's fun and the, and the, and the, and the scene in the frat boy's apartment or room is is fun but it's um it, one of the joys of the show i think at this time is it is a excellent ensemble cast we're clearly having fun working together i just think like i said the only the only downside i have to it is it, it it does feel a little lazy sometimes like we are on top of the world and as occasional episodes I'm I'm not going to fully say like these two because we've had episodes earlier in this season that I just didn't like. But occasional episodes just feel like they're not trying as hard as they could. Bring back Beverly Bloomberg to write another one. I like the way she wrote The Kissing Bandit. It took a straightforward sitcom plot and put a little twist on it. Put us halfway into the story. You know, we don't have to... We don't spend the first third to half um, with all the intro before the fun stuff happens. I mean... Not that there's not fun stuff before the magic show or fun stuff before they, you know, the photo is taken. But, um, but boy, like that's, like I said, that stuff with Richie and all his points and when he sits down and begins to go through his points one by one, um, I get what it's up to, but we've seen this before and it's just not, it's just not funny. Sorry. So that's, um, that, that's, that's Richie. Um, I was gonna say Richie goes broke. No, (laughs) That's what go for broke Richie, ride that wave, Richie Brown. No, run for your life. What the hell is it called? Richie gets framed, uh, and the thing is, he doesn't get framed like until halfway into the episode, and then when he does actually properly get framed, as in they publish the photo within three or four minutes, he's won the election anyway. So who who cares? So it's it's a it's a bit of a weird. I mean, they're very much because they aren't in sort of the Norman Lear 
stash of sitcoms or the or the Mary Tyler Moore, which were less less like socially relevant but still had their stuff because they're set this is set in 1960 you know for every episode that's kind of has something uh someone learns a lesson you get I mean technically I guess the lesson in this is you know you should two wrongs don't make a right um which is which is true I, I guess it all depends on how big that first wrong is Let's. I mean, we got to put some things in perspective, but um, that's sort of the lesson. Because, like the previous episode, the Fonz can do anything. In this episode, when Richie tells the Fonz tells Richie two wrongs don't make a right, um, and then they show that in fact Richie did not do the wrong thing, and he won in the end. Kids, um, that doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> if someone gets zings you the way that guy zinged Richie, they're probably going to win. But boy, sitcoms are fun because every once in a while you can think um, you might. And sometimes you might. No, I'm not saying every time. Just most of the time. Majority. Say uh, to two-thirds. It is, it is interesting, too, that in this time where you get all the socially relevant shows and things like that, you're, you're getting one that has, you know, that has that has lessons like this you know you're having all sorts of things that deal with racism and sexism and then this that and the other and then you're getting a show where the lesson is two wrongs don't make a right in fact they could be making fun of it even because he just says his grandma used to tell him two two wrongs don't make two wrongs don't make for a right honey or something like that so so we got three episodes in this one I, i can honestly say i think watching them in order i thought kissing bandit was one of the best of the season the magic show is fun but flawed and then richie um i want to keep saying richie goes broke oh i'm thinking of oliver goes broke from season six of green acres when i'm in season six of happiness um uh, uh, richie gets framed i would say is the least of them but none of these are anywhere near the least of earlier episodes in the season that 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 bugged me and i'm hoping the rest of the season will improve i don't the show this is the season <laughs> sorry I'm, now I'm starting to lose it a little bit this is the season where um, um, the, the show has gone from well the show, the show is is it tied for number three or is it number four it depends on where you look but this is the season yeah we're for the for the second year old it's by Laverne Shirley's number one Three's Comedy Crack number two the new show Mark and Mindy is three and Happy Days is four or it's tied with three depending upon what rating thing you read and that's still absolutely huge for this time so the show is going is is still going great guns even though even though these other two shows might have pulled ahead but but three's company is 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 it gets better as it goes until it kind of freezes in place a little over halfway through and then gets as its charms and Mork and Mindy the first season of Mork and Mindy when they really let Robin Williams loose and 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 don't screw with the formula or or, or give pay- try to give Pam Dauber as much comedy as Robin Williams. The first season more committee is legitimately funny, as is the current season of the Vernon Shirley that's airing, and the Three's Company, and most of Happy Days. So it's funny because of those four shows and during this season, um I've, I've seen Laverne and Shirley a couple years ago, and I saw Mark and Mindy like five or six years ago. Three's Company, I've seen about half of that season. Is it the um third season? Is it, is it the third? I forget, but it's very good. Happy Days is almost kind of the least funny of the shows. And, and basically because, I mean, it's the most um, ingrained show. It's the, it's the show that's been there long. I mean, Three's Companies at this this point, this point in December has been around, uh, what, I, I, um, I, I, like two years? Morgan Mindy's been around 
four months. Laverne and Shirley is six, seven, seven, three years. So and 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 um, you know, so four, five, six, seven, and and we're about to celebrate what the fifth anniversary of of Happy Days. So Happy Days has been around longer, which is probably probably why it isn't as fresh. But it is still it is still at its best pretty damn sharp i just think like i said i just think maybe we need a new round of writers in i mean most of the people writing here the i think these three writers no the person who wrote this episode i think wrote one earlier in the season but um i just think um we just we we just i don't know i i, I think i think whoever's doing the story editing and stuff it needs to be a little sharper on it because these are so like loosey-goosey and just random set pieces like i said uh, not bad again fun but not as not not i think not as great as the show was back like when it first went the multi-camera from the audience like in three or season three or four it's got it's got you know the show has its characters they're set in stone they have the things they do they have their little you know can do anything and this that and the other and Joni isn't doing much but showing off her legs and and richie's just becoming kind of more and more of a jerk and potsy's dumber than ever and ralph just wants the i still got it i still got it sometimes that's funny sometimes it's not and mr mrs c is getting a little loopier and mr c, mrs c is getting a little loopier mr c is um is um I, I don't know. Mr. C really hasn't changed much. Uh, although Al is doing more. Uh, but like, like I said, we're, we're over halfway into the season now. And so I'm going to let you all go. Be good to yourselves. My throat is starting to hurt. And I'm snorting it up here. Um, but uh, yeah, the next episode is just going to be a single. It's going to be uh, the Christmas episode, Christmas Time, which is written by Beverly uh, Bloomberg of um, uh, uh, Kissing Bandit. So uh, I, and I know it's, it's a good episode. I've seen it already. Spoilers. So, um, so what we'll do is this: is I'm going to put up this episode. Uh, this episode, hopefully, if I'm not if I'm not too sick, hopefully, will go up either the uh, by by the 17th of December. Hopefully, you're listening to it and celebrating your holidays, enjoying yourself. And then, when you get done listening to this episode, go back in the feed of Eventually Super Train. I think it's back to December 2020. Go back in the feed, and you will find. It's going to be rock and roll, rocking all week with you, Happy Days Podcast Season 6. Like, I think it'll be Episode 8, but it's only one episode. The great Christmas TV history um, expert, Joanna Wilson, joined me to discuss the episode, and it's a lot of fun. I posted it already just because um, it was December 2020. Things were very dark, and I accidentally almost tossed the, the uh, uh, erased the video file thinking it was something else. And so I thought, Dan, just post it now. So it's been up for two years, and it's it's a lot of fun. We have a really nice chat about it, and um, the um, and and there's there's also I think accompanying it there's a mini side chat where we have about sort of the way the sitcom died in, across the '80s and and then was sort of reborn across the '90s, and uh, which is interesting stuff. So Joanna knows her stuff, uh, not just Christmas, but she knows her, her pop culture stuff and her, her definitely her sitcom stuff because she's watched so much of it. So, anyways, everyone be good to yourself. Uh, wish me and my health luck, and um, we will see you next episode for a little bit of Christmas time. What a day, what a day.